Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. tonight. We're going to get into the Word of God. We've already prayed, so we're set up to go, right? You guys out there, you're you're ready to go? You got your Bible out, your Bible app, you got a pen and a paper? How about all y'all here tonight? You know, the the Lord's going to get you, right? We're going to throw a hand grenade and something's going to hit you. Amen. Well, we've been talking on the subject matter of setting the captives free. This is the second installment of it and we really haven't gotten to that place where we have the tools yet we're still uh, digging into the word of God to understand the strategies of the devil and uh, you know the devil teaches that we do have an enemy I was absolutely flabbergasted when I googled how many Christians believe in a personal devil and it was less than 50%. I was absolutely amazed. I'll tell you something, that, that when I learned early on in my Christian walk that there was a personal devil that was arrayed against me, it opened my eyes to so much. Be- because I was locked into just this natural scene realm. And it's easy to fall into a trap that God's causing you know, certain degree of calamity in our life if you don't realize there's a devil. And he was, he had my, the wool pulled over my eyes. He had me believing for 24 years that God took my dad. And then when I found out there was a devil, I go, well, you little rascal, you stole my dad, Not, not God. And that just opened so much revelation up to me in the word of God. So can I encourage you to believe what the Bible says? That there is a devil. He's come to kill, kill, steal, and destroy. And so what we've been doing is we've been uncovering how he kills and steals and destroys in our life. And we found out that he does it primarily in the realm of our intellect or our mind. Our mind is a very key part of our being. And that's why he attacks our mind. It's our mind in which contains our will or our choice. And he wants to to influence the choices we make. So if he can darken some areas, if he can blind us in certain areas, if he can get us to buy... the lies that he brings to us, then he can begin controlling our choices. It says over here in 2 Corinthians 4, 3, it says that the gospel, or should I say the truth, of what God has done for us through his son is hidden to us. It's hidden to everyone who is lost or and hasn't received Christ as their savior. In verse 4 it says, and, and notice that the scripture calls Satan the devil, He calls him the God of this world. Remember, that's why he got kicked out of heaven, because he tried to exalt himself above God himself. He tried to exalt himself above God. Well, he's still trying to be God. And he's using you and I to to hinder God on the earth. When I say you and I, I'm not talking about believers as much as, you know, there's a lot of helpless individuals in the world that don't know God. I I wouldn't be uh, surprised if over three quarters of the world's population is probably more than that if you think about India and China. It could be high as 90% of the world doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. And so all those that don't have a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ are potentially now fighting against God's kingdom in the earth. Amen? 
And it, notice it says that the God of this world does what? He blinds the minds. And we talked a little bit last week about what it means. How does he blind our minds? I, I used to envision that he would put a blanket over us and blind us. And that's not what he does at all. And we'll, we'll get into that. So just understand that when we begin talking about blinding our minds, he's talking about how we think. And he gets us to think like the world. He wants us to adapt or to adopt the, the, the perception that the world has, especially about God, about Jesus. And in that, when we begin to conform to the world's way of thinking, then we embrace that as a reality and as a truth and that it impacts how we live and act. Amen. So how we think in our mind has a great impact on our life. We said this last week, what you think to be true establishes what you believe. And what you and I believe will then begin to influence and mostly determine how we live or how we behave or how we act. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as we think in our heart, so is he. So thinking is paramount. This is why the renewing or the reprogramming of our mind is the number one priority of every believer. Now, what do you mean, renew your mind? Renewing the mind is just simply allowing the Bible to show us, reveal to us how God thinks. And then we begin taking on that mindset. The Bible tells us to have the mind of Christ. Well, the mind of Christ is just thinking like the Word of God. Remember, Jesus is the Word. He's the living word. This is the published word. Amen. And so when we begin thinking like the word of God or use the word of God as a perspective in, in how we interact in a day-to-day -day life here on the earth, you begin putting on his thoughts and then therefore you start believing that which you, that you know and then you start acting like it. Amen. Yes. You start acting like God. Now, people in the world just scoff. They just make fun of us. Oh, you're trying to be like Jesus. Well, who, who are you trying to be like? <laughs> Everybody's got to act like somebody. Somebody's got to be your role model. Somebody, there's somebody you're following. Who is it? Well, I'm following Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. I want to be more like him every day. I want to imitate him in the way that I talk. I want to imitate him in the way that he acted. What better person is there? Hallelujah. Now, I'm not sure I want to get into this. Yeah, I guess we need to. Go to the Romans chapter 12. And again, I'm, I'm trying to get everybody on board who may not have been with us last week. And this is so important for us to, to, to embrace these concepts from the Word of God. Look here in Romans 12, 2. And I'm reading from the King James. It says, Be not conformed, shaped, molded to this world. Now understand, we just read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 that satan is what the god of this world so if we begin to be conformed to the world then we're being conformed to the way that satan does things Come on. Amen. Yes. amen notice it tells us not to be conformed that means conformity is automatic if you're not trying not to be conformed does that make sense well, if I'm not going to be shaped by the world and its way of doing things, if I'm not going to think like the world thinks, who am I to think like or to think after? 
Well, he says, be transformed. Now, this, this word transformed in the Greek is where we get the English word metamorphosis. Meaning that a caterpillar being transformed into a, a butterfly. Or in my case, cookie. If you remember that story. Okay, cookie. And see, that's what we're growing up in the things of God to do, is to be transformed. You see, through the new birth, our spirit has been recreated. It's brand new. It's just like God and has God living within our spirit. But your mind is still of the world. Your mind still thinks like the world because you received a spiritual birth when you received Christ. You didn't receive a mental birth. So whether we want to admit it or not, the moment that we're born again, our mind is still thinking like the world. And if we don't begin to change the way that we think, we're going to fall right back into the same lifestyle we had before we received Christ. Because remember, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. This is why the battleground for the mind is so important. We're to put on the mind of Christ. And that's by thinking like God. Thinking like God. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The mind renewal, again, to repeat myself for the 30th time, is to think like God. And he thinks just the opposite of the way the world thinks. Amen. So being conformed to this world is simply thinking like the world. And being renewed in our mind is thinking like God. Hallelujah. Now, last week we talked about the difference between knowledge and truth. How, how many of you remember that? Remember that? You got, do, you, do you have that now in your arsenal? Do you know the difference between knowledge and truth? And this is really important for us. What is knowledge? Knowledge is what you know. It's, it's what you've been taught. It's what you've, you've learned through experience. It's what other people have demonstrated for you. Like when you grew up in your home, you, you, you gained the knowledge of what it's like to be a father and a mother while you were a child. You learned that. You learned about marriage growing up as a child. You, you learned about integrity. You gained a lot of knowledge growing up in that environment of your home, however good or however bad it was. And truth be told, nobody had a perfect upbringing because we were learning from imperfect parents. Amen. And we have to understand that what we know, the knowledge that we have, doesn't make it truth. For example, as we study history, the scientists, not too many uh, centuries ago, they taught that the world was flat. Everybody had the knowledge that the world was flat. That's what they were taught. That's how they acted. Nobody, nobody sailed out very far from shore because the, the, the world was flat. And if you go too far, you're going to fall off of it. Well, what happened is, is that they believed that not only as knowledge, but then they embraced it as a truth. until someone like Christopher Columbus came along. That crazy Italian. Right? And he chose not to believe that truth that everyone else did. And he, went, he wasn't conformed to the world's way of thinking. He was transformed. 
and said, no, the truth is the earth is round, and I'm going to show you. And he did. So regardless of how convinced you are that your knowledge is true or truth, there's no guarantee that it is. There are at least 150,000 people leaving this earth every day through death. 150,000 people leave earth every day through death. And many who are leaving are convinced that the knowledge that they had of God is truth. Yet very few of them go to heaven. Because the truth that they, or excuse me, the knowledge that they have believed was not a truth. It was a falsehood. And that's how Satan blinded their minds. He got them through false knowledge to believe that that false knowledge was truth. And didn't receive Jesus as their savior. So they left the earth without him. So truth is truth, whether you know it or not. For 24 years, it was true that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and you had to receive him as your personal Savior to be saved. But it, even though that truth was real and available, I didn't know it. Therefore, I didn't have the ability to believe it. Truth will come to pass whether you believe it or not. Truth works independently of what you know or don't know. And no matter how strongly you believe something, and there's many people that have made a stand that this is what I know and this is what I believe, it still doesn't make it true. You can even get a tattoo all over your body and proclaim what the knowledge you have believing is true. Does it make it true? Hallelujah. And that's what the devil attempts to do. He substitutes the truth for worldly knowledge. Worldly knowledge of God is believed to be God's truth. And therefore, your mind becomes blinded to the actual truth of God. Now, when you see some of our loved ones, when you see people that you know, that number one, you just, you just know by the way that they talk, that, that they do not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You've got to begin to understand that they have embraced worldly knowledge about God that is not pure. It's tainted with truth, but not enough to reveal truth. And they have embraced it to the degree that they have just locked their jaw and said, I'm having nothing of this Jesus business. And then we have those that we know that they have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe they were our children and we saw them receive the Lord as a child. We saw them in, in, in church and them quoting scriptures and, and, and them telling you about how Jesus is their Savior. But then somehow they got away. Come on. And they're not... It's not that they're not on their way to heaven. But they're not being productive for God's kingdom. And many of them are getting their lunch eaten. And the devil's popping the bag. Well, what's the problem? It's this process of the devil blinding their mind. He's taken that which they have embraced and has become real on the inside, but it's being suppressed by these, this worldly knowledge that has now come into their way of thinking. And it 
holds them in a position where they're, they're not walking out what they had embraced when they received Christ. And you see, th this is the part where you and I have to begin understanding that. We have to understand the devil's devices if we're going to set somebody free. They've been hoodwinked. They have bought mistruths and adapted them as truths. Maybe they got offended. Maybe things didn't work out the way they thought it should in Christendom. Maybe some church did them wrong or some pastor somehow did something. And that had them to, to, to begin to believing these half-truths as being truth. And we have to learn how to set them free. And it's a spiritual battle. We have to be engaged in a spiritual battle. Amen. Now, this substitute of truth, Jesus talks about it. And I want you going over to Mark chapter 7. He calls it the traditions of men. The traditions of men. And this will begin to, to allow us to see how people can, dare I say, easily embrace this worldly knowledge about God and then mistake it and believe it as truth. So we're going to look at the traditions of men. I'm in Mark chapter 7. Verse 1. And it says, Then came together unto him, in the contents of, of this scripture, it's Jesus, and it came the Pharisees. And these were leaders in the Jewish religion. And then certain of the scribes, and these were those that were translating and writing out manuscripts for the leaders. And it says that they came from Jerusalem. So this is the elite. This is like a politician coming from Washington, D.C. So these are the big boys coming to talk to Jesus. And it says that these religious leaders saw some of the disciples eat bread uh, with, with defilement. Well, what were they, you know, why was the hair standing up on the back of their necks when they, they were watching these disciples eat? It's because they were eating the bread with unwashed hands. And they found fault. Now understand that this was a man-made tradition. This was a religious tradition. Nowhere... In the law, did God say that you can't eat food without washing your hands? Uh, is it a good idea to wash your hands before you eat? I would have to say yes. But it's not going to hinder your relationship with God. So these are just rules and regulations that these religious leaders had put upon those people in the, the Jewish faith that you had to do. And if you didn't, God's going to get you. And so they presented it as this is God's law. And many people didn't recognize that it was man's. He says, you eat bread with defied, that is to say without unwashed hands, and they found fault. So the fault that they found was because they had established a man-made tradition. But even these leaders beheld it as the truth. Some of these weren't part of creating that, that rule, but they were taught it, and now they have accepted it, that it came from God. So think about this. Here's the Son of God. 
and those that are following and serving the Son of God. And these religious leaders are now pointing their finger, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. Can you see how the knowledge they had, that they had embraced as truth, is now pushing them away from the Savior? Now look here. Jesus teaches on what the effect of man's traditions have on us. And man's traditions are believing worldly men that becomes knowledge, and then you begin believing that knowledge as a truth coming from God. Now you've had your mind blinded. And here's Jesus that's come to give them the truth. He says, the words that I speak to you they are spiritual and they are truth. So he's sharing the truth with these scribes, these religious leaders and these Pharisees, and now they won't even listen to him because they have found him in a fault violating a man-made tradition that's not truth. Can you see how they're blinded? In verse 6, Jesus answered them. And he said unto them, he begins to quote Isaiah. Because Isaiah told us about these kinds of people. Well, hasn't Isaiah prophesied about you hypocrites? As it is written, that this people, talking about the Jews... They honor me with their lips. But their heart is where? Far from me. So when they're honoring them with their lips, they're just honoring him with rhetoric from their mind. But in their heart, they're opposed. And that's because they worship God according to man-made knowledge. How many Christian churches or ch uh, Christian religions and all the false religions of the world, that's exactly what they're doing. They have a man-made, created relationship with God that was all created by man and for man. Look in verse 7. This is really strong what Jesus says here. He says, how be it in vain. Now remember, he's talking to these Jewish leaders. In vain do they worship me. So all that they're doing now is in vain, is without value. It, there is no power. There is no interaction between them and God. Because you're teaching in place of the doctrines, that's Bible truth, you're replacing Bible truth with the commandments of men. Or man-made traditions. Well, what's the result of that? Go down to verse 13. I'm still in Mark 7. Verse 17. So when you follow the commandments of man, when you follow a man-made religion, a man-made uh, relationship with God, and I can start naming you denominations that you know exactly who I'm talking about. And some of these denominations have the name of Jesus Christ in their title of their religion. And yet, it's man-made tradition. Notice what happens here in verse 13. 
It says that when you follow man-made tradition, it says it makes the word of God of no effect. Why? Because you're following tradition, which is a man-made knowledge, and you're not following truth, which comes from God. So this is simply the result of a person embracing man-made knowledge or religious tradition as a God truth. And I told you my story last week. This is why it took me 24 years to accept Christ. Because I was following the teaching of the church I grew up in. And they talked about Jesus. They used the Bible. But they taught their traditions that they had been following for 500 years and so because I followed their traditions I was water baptized as a baby you can't find that anywhere in scripture then I went through their training their their religious training which we called catechism got a diploma from that hallelujah and that, that was one of the rules that you had to follow in order to become a member of the church. And now that you're a member of this church, surely now you're going to heaven. And then they also taught that being a good person is what makes the difference of going to heaven or not. So I took that tradition, and because it came from people that I respected, And assumed that because they were religiously taught, they knew. So I trusted them. And so when people would approach me and, and attempt to share the gospel, the truth of the gospel to me, I turned them away believing that I already had the truth and didn't need them and what they said. You know, you know we can get very prideful in the knowledge we have and I wouldn't accept anything that they said amen and this is how the enemy blinds our mind now I want you to, to look at the temptation of Jesus I want you to go over to Luke chapter 4 Now, this is an area that you and I have read many times, so we've got to be careful that we don't let our mind go, oh, yeah, I know that. Come on. Well, you do know some of the things, but the Lord wants to expand on that. So you've got to stay engaged with your heart for revelation. Let him add to that knowledge you already have these verses. Here in verse 2, it says that Jesus was tempted of the devil. And he did not eat anything. And when it ended, afterwards, he was hungry. That would make sense. If I don't eat for several hours, I get hungry. And here, Jesus went quite a while without eating. Now, notice here it says that the devil said unto him. Now, when you see that, I don't want you to picture him having visual perception of the devil. Because that's not how the devil operates. He doesn't show up to tempt us, portraying himself as the devil. You know, wearing his, you know, red suit and his having his horns and his tail, and he's got a pitchfork in his hand. That's the way the world depicts him. No, he's going to come as a, a as a. A, a beaming light a beacon of light and truth and he's going to come as a thought see the Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted in like ways as you and I have been tempted and none of you have ever seen the devil and many of you haven't heard audibly with your outer ears the devil 
But you know he's soiled the thoughts of your mind. And that's how he came to Jesus, with a thought. And he sees that Jesus is hungry. He saw him fast. And as a thought in verse 3, the devil said unto him, If you're the Son of God. So he's challenging him. How many times have you had the thought, well, if you were a believer, you wouldn't have done that. God would never come to you and say that. Because he knows who you are and he knows your name. He says, you're going to have to prove to me that you're the son of God. Command this stone that it be made bread. And you know that Jesus responded with the word of God. He said, it is written. Then the devil took him up to a high mountain and, and showed him all the kingdoms of, of the world in a moment of time. Now he begins telling him, all this power I will give you. Now this would, wouldn't be a temptation if he didn't have the power. He is a rebel holder of the authority that Adam had. All this power is mine. All the glory of them is mine. It's been delivered unto me by Adam. And I can give it to whoever I, I want to give it. If I got it, I can give it. But there's something you've got to do. You've got to worship me. And then Jesus, again, quotes scripture. You shall worship the Lord your God, and, and him only shall you serve. And then here in verse 9, the devil takes him up uh, into Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. So he's up in a very high place. And the devil said to him, if you be the son of God, cast yourself down from heaven. And then in verse 10, the devil quotes scripture. How do you know that the devil can quote scripture? He, he uses the for it is written comment. He just got the two of them from Jesus, and now he's going to give it to Jesus. It is written. He's going to give his angels to have charge over you, to keep you. And in their hands, they'll, they'll bear you up so you can jump off of this building and you, you can't get hurt. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And it says that when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. So even though you and I win as we resist the devil and, re, and, and beat him by citing truth, he's going to come back. He's going to come back. So... Think of the answer in, in your mind. How did Jesus defeat the temptations of the devil? What brought his victory? Think of your answer. I, I know you know it. First and foremost, he was not fooled by the knowledge of the world. Why? Why wasn't Jesus fooled? Because he knew the truth. And that's where you and I don't always win in this battlefield for the mind because we're not always know the truth that we should know. And that's why we need to continually renew our mind with the word of God. Because we're arming ourselves with the truth. 
And the truth is our victory over the devil and his strategies against us. So he was not fooled by his temptations because to him it was obvious that he was citing knowledge and not citing truth. The devil will come with us, will come at us with some very logical, reasonable things to do. It's okay to, to be angry at that person. It's okay to hold resentment towards that person. It's okay to judge that person. And your emotions are going, yeah, you're right. But that's not truth. That's not truth. You see, we've got to weigh our behavior against the truth of God's word. And that will begin to minimize and defeat these strategies that the enemy brings to us. Now, I'm hoping I have the time now. I want you to understand that Jesus was tempted how many times? Three times. The Bible does things for a reason, and the Bible does things on purpose. Those three areas that, that Jesus was tempted in are three categories of temptations. And then these three categories are cited in the first letter of John. So go on over to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. There may be some of you that you've never seen this scripture before. It's not really a very common scripture that's cited or, or quoted from the pulpit. But I believe that verses 15 and 16 describe the three categories of temptations that we need to be aware of. These are the the three categories that the devil tries to tempt us in. Now notice verse 15. Notice that John by the Holy Spirit says, Do not love what? The world. Now, I can't say this any more emphatically. The love of the world will cause us to desire to think like the world. And if we love the world, we'll, we'll allow ourselves to bathe in the things of the world. Don't ever think for one second that you and I can expose ourselves to worldly things and not be tainted by it. It'll begin to desensitize us. Like putting the frog in the water and turning the heat up. We'll get desensitized. He says not to love what? The world. And not to love the things in the world. huge and then he gives us a truth here if anyone anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him and that's just saying that you love the world more than you love God see we'll never refute that we don't love God but if the things of the world are a greater priority to us, it's just as if we don't love the Father. That's pretty strong. The world has some very enticing things. 
That's why we, we're so easily conformed to it. Because we do get some, you know, what do you call them, party favors when we're dabbling in the world. Come on. Amen. Amen. Now here we go, verse 16. For all that is in the world, notice that word all. So he's summing up everything that the world tempts us with or how the world tempts us. And we know that Satan is the God of the world. So these are his temptations through the world. He'll never come at us directly. You're now watching a TV program that I myself edited and produced. Hi, I'm the devil. No, he's never the author of these things of the world. He's never out front. He's always working through a surrogate. He's always working through those that he's able to influence to some degree. And then you'll tolerate this, and then it'll take you further, and then you'll, get, then you'll tolerate this, and it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. It's just like growing up. I had it banged into my head that marijuana will lead you to harder drugs. It's a, it's a doorway drug to expose you to the drug culture. And I said, come on. A little weed never hurt anybody. But guess what? Once I started blowing dope, it just opened up the whole drug culture. You see, I, I said, just a little bit of this is okay. And then once you get that, then you start going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's that way in all the things of the world. Oh, a little bit of, that's just a little, that's, that's, a, that's well, how would you like someone to give you a sandwich and just say, it's just got a, it's just got a, a little arsenic in it. Not a lot. You probably won't even notice it. It's just, it's just got a little arsenic in it. Come on. Are you going to eat it? But you know, we'll, we'll have, well, this, this, this movie just has a little of the world in it. This kind of behavior just has a little of the world in it. But we just gobble that right up. Come on. I'm a strong enough Christian. I, I, can, I can handle that. How idiotic is that? That's like eating the sandwich with the arsenic in it. Poison is poison, kids. I don't care how healthy you are, how strong you are, or how spiritual you think you are. And that's how he works. Now, look at these three temptations. Wow, time just flies in this place. For all that is in the world, number one, the desires of the flesh. Number two, the desire of the eyes. Number three, the pride of life. So next week, we're going to take the three temptations of Jesus. Command this stone that it be made to bread. If thou be the Son of God, cast you down from hence. All power I will give thee. We're going to look at all three of those temptations and connect them to the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eye, and the pride of life. Each one of those temptations is one of these, and we'll break it down next week. Amen? Amen. Father, I know this isn't an exciting message, but you know it's truth. It's truth because you're speaking it from the word of God. And so our ears have been perked up. The ears of our heart are perked up. And we choose to embrace truth and reject the knowledge of man. To resist the knowledge of man. Lord, you said that we shall know 
the truth. We shall believe the truth. We shall act out the truth in our life. That's what makes us free from the devil. And so that's what we're seeking. And Lord, if we can get free, then we can help others to get free. I know without even having people tell me that each one of us, under the sound of my voice, you have a loved one that is bound by the world. I know I do. I want to help them to be free. We don't set them free with judgment against them. We, we don't get them free by ignoring them. We don't set them free by worrying about them. We get them free with truth. Truth is what you use to free us. And I'm thanking you that from Scripture you show us how to believe and to pray the truth upon their life. I know that's how I got free. People that I didn't know very well were praying for me. People that knew these precepts, these these strategies in prayer according to the word of God and they set me free from the traditions of men and the ways of this world. So can we for our loved ones. And I don't care how long they've been bound, I don't care how long they've been living in this way of the world. Those things don't matter because truth always trumps knowledge. 100 times out of 100. So we're thankful, Lord, as we follow these precepts, these truths, and apply them, we will see them free. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you guys have been good listeners tonight. Thank you for coming out. Thank you watching online. You're awesome. And uh, we're grateful. So uh, we'll get into this next time, Lord willing. And uh, we'll break it down and, and go on through and help set those loved ones free.